Hey, this is Bill Cecil. Welcome back to episode number two of the podcast series, Best Year Ever or Bust. This podcast series is designed for all of you teachers out there that are determined. You're not going to let any challenges or anything get in your way from reaching your goal to make this your student's best year ever this school year. No matter what comes your way, it's going to happen. You're 100% all in. That's what the bus stands for in Best Year Ever or Bust. And so I'm definitely here to help you make that happen. As a 31-year retired teacher, my role now is I want to help those of you that are heroes trying to be the hero you've been called to be to get that mission done. And so what I want to do is to help uplift, motivate, empower you throughout this school year to keep your fires burning brightly inside of you and keep that determination going strong. I'm your biggest cheerleader this year, your biggest fan, but I also want to hopefully be a mentor to you to help you get this done because this was my mission every year in my classroom. So today what I want to do is first off, you know, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, especially for those of you that were listening to episode number one and, you know, putting up with me, my first time podcasting, as you can probably tell, and I'll get better at this as I go. But also I'm really excited that you're back because it means that you're interested in this. This is something that you're thinking about doing uh, and so you want to hear more about it. So thank you, thank you for being here and giving me some of your precious time, as well as people that are listening for the first time. I hope I capture your attention and, and get your interest and that you'll want to go back and listen to episode one because I talk about vision in episode one, which I'm continuing that conversation today because this is really, really important. And I have to admit, I dropped the ball on something really important. I want to go back and pick up that fumble. I'll do that. Like I said, I was a little nervous, episode number one, but I'm going to pick up that fumble to make sure you have that moving forward. So to get going, uh, if you remember in episode number one, I was talking about that, uh, the importance of vision. And I shared a quote with you from Bill Parcells, the NFL two-time winning Super Bowl coach with the New York Giants. He wrote a book called Finding a Way to Win. And in that book, he had a quote that I really liked that said, winners develop a vision and enlist others to join them. And I asked you to change the word winners to leaders. So it says leaders develop a vision and enlist others to join them. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you excited about thinking of yourself as a leader with a team to lead this year. By the way, another thing I want to talk about in these podcast series is that I want to talk about things that I always wished we would talk about during my training as a as a teacher in training when I was at college. I, I, uh, these were things I wanted to hear in my PD sessions and my, my staff meetings throughout my 31-year career. These were things that are I call higher purpose thinking type questions or discussions. And so today what I'm trying to do is get you to think of yourself as a leader with a team to lead. There's two big things in there. Being a leader, number one, and to think of yourself as having a team to lead. Because I got to tell you, when I first started teaching, I, I just went in and I guess at first I was so concentrating on just trying to be a good teacher, trying to teach the curriculum, to do the job they were paying me to do, which is an important job and I wanted to do it well that I wasn't focusing on anything else other than that. I was just going in trying to hit the curriculum, learn the things I needed to learn to, to help my kids learn the curriculum easier and better. And so I was definitely so focused on that that I wasn't thinking of them as a collective whole at first. And once you get going, it's hard to back up and, and think that out once it's, you know the school year gets going because it, you know, 100 miles per hour every day you're going, trying to get through the day. You're fighting the clock every day today. Like a, uh, it's like a series of sprints. You're running a marathon of sprints all year long. So if you don't go in with this in your mind, unless somebody brings it to your attention, you may not think about it. 
And that's what I'm trying to do today is I want you to think about this, that you are, yes, you're a teacher and that's your main job is to definitely teach the curriculum and teach it well and give your kids the tools to empower them to be able to do the, the, the things they need to do to learn the curriculum. And that's a great job. I mean, that, that in itself makes you a hero. But I want to take it a step further and think and have you think of it as you are a leader with a team to lead. And, and, and the reason I'm sharing this with you is because one of the things I did early on in my career was that I was reading avidly about, just, just madly about books on leadership because something about it I knew I wanted to be a leader in the classroom, but we never talked about that very much. And so I, so I was trying to learn from what, how it worked in the sports world, the business world, the military, social movements, you name it. I was reading about it. And the more I read about it, I started to find some patterns. And this is what I, I want to share with you. And the first one is that definitely leaders are important because every great cause throughout history has had a leader that was able, or leaders that was able to have a grand vision and provide a doable plan for everyone to follow and was able to enlist others to join in that vision. Grand vision, doable plan, and able to enlist others to enlist in that vision. Think about it. Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights movement, John F. Kennedy, the President Kennedy, the race to the moon to put the first man on the moon in the 1960s for our country. And, and, and I was watching this as a little kid. That tells you how old I am. But I was obsessed with this. It was so cool. And it took over 250,000 people coming together across the country in, in different par- parts of this mission to put it together and make it work. Think of Gandhi. Who's out to His cause was out to, to eradicate the caste system in India and to make the untouchables touchable. And Mother Teresa, to bring love, compassion, awareness, and help to the poor around the world. These are all incredible leaders. And it started with a cause, a great cause that they had that they wanted to do. And so by sharing Bill Parcell's post, I was trying to get you to think of yourself, number one, as a leader, but number two, that you have to have a vision, a grand vision. So I'm asking you right now, today, what is your grand vision? What is going to be the thing that you're going to go in and get your kids so excited about this year that they're going to unite with together with you to make it happen? And it starts with a clear vision that you're going to take time to make into a shared vision, and then you've got to have a doable plan. And so this is why I want to go back and talk about this. That's the why. The why is, is before I was telling you what to do, I was telling you what you're going to do is you're going to think of four reasons, you know, how to make your vision or four questions you have to answer. If you remember, I said you have to, as a leader of your team, you have to know where you're going uh, to get there. Because if you don't know, how are you going to get there? It's like going on a long journey together. How are you going to get there if you don't even know where you're going? Are you going to be excited about it? Because if you're not excited, how are you going to get your team excited? And then once you get that, that's your vision. Then you have to make it a shared vision by letting your team, you got to figure out how you're going to get your team to know where you're leading them and why it's exciting and worth going on with you. Because if you don't do that, you're in trouble. You know, that's why many shared visions fail or, or visions fails because they didn't make, take the time to make it a shared vision. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be able to make this a shared vision. But for now, I just want you to be thinking about that you are a leader with a team to lead and you got to start thinking about your grand vision, which was your homework assignment last time. But what I didn't do was I didn't take the time to tell you why it's important. And that's what I want to talk about today. So by giving people something to rally around, 
Number one, in your classroom, let's, let's just talk about your classroom. If you come in with a grand vision and you can get everybody on board to work with you, number one, it's going to make your job a lot easier to hit that target, right? Because I shared that with you in the last episode about throwing darts at a target. And if you're blindfolded, it's going to be hard. If you don't know where you're going or where you're throwing, you're, it's going to be hard to hit that target. And especially to have your class follow you if you don't even know where you're going, right? But if you have a clear vision, that means you're not blindfolded. You can see your target clearly and your team sees it with you and they're excited about hitting that target too because they know why it's important to hit that target, then it's going to be a lot easier to hit that target. And so that that's really, really important. And so by having a vision, that's going to help you start. And then we've got to take time to make it a shared vision. So that's number one. It's going to make your job a little bit easier. But more importantly, it's going to grab the attention of the people in your classroom. These young people that are, you know, looking for something to bond onto. And maybe this is going to be it that's going to get them to really pay attention this year in school and go with you instead of fight China, instead of having a year of tug of war. What are you trying to teach me this for? I don't care to learn this. And, you know, I want to just goof around, da, 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 da. You're not going to have that. You're going to have everybody going in the same direction, which is going to give you a much better chance to be successful as a teacher, but also for your students to start to feel successful. Like, I like school. I'm starting to learn a lot about school. You know, I'm learning that I, I actually can do more than I thought. This is why I created this program. When I first started teaching, I, I didn't even think I was going to become a teacher. I, it, in fact, I, I think my friends that knew me would be shocked that I became a teacher. Any of my former teachers, any of them, I think would be shocked to know I became a teacher based on my schooling experience. I was a kid that struggled in school right off the bat. I was a kid. I had bad eyes for a while. I saw double. That does not help you in school to pay attention, to read, to do what you need to do because you're, you're just trying to make your eyes instead of seeing double to see one. And this went unnoticed until I was about, uh, you know, I was in kindergarten and then they noticed it and then we were starting to work on that. But off to the start, I was off struggling because I, you know, I, I, I just couldn't pay attention in school. I couldn't, I, I felt not very smart. It got worse when I had teachers in my early elementary grade. A couple of them told me, they compared me to my sisters. You know, I was a middle kid of five, and I'm the, already, you know, I'm like a little bit nervous because the kindergarten didn't go so great. And then I have teachers tell me, oh, you're nothing like your two sisters above that came in before you. Man, now they were smart. And right away, you're thinking, that means I'm dumb. So why should I even try? So now school was a place where it, it just would beat up on my self-esteem. And so I hated going. I'd play sick, but my mom wouldn't let me stay. My mom was too smart for that. So she would say, you're going. So what I would do is I'd go hang out in the office a lot saying, I got a tummy ache. And they'd say, oh, Billy, you're back. I was a kid that the office knew me by name. You know, they'd see me coming Oh, Here comes Billy. Billy, what is it today? What, what's the, what's the problem you got today? Why don't you go lay down for, you know, about a half, a half hour, 20 minutes, and then we'll get you back into your class. You know, I was a kid that would do that. Or worse, in class, I was a kid that was disruptive because I would goof around, try to make other kids laugh because I was good at that. But I, I definitely, I wasn't a good kid at paying attention. Why? Because I didn't want to deal with my pain of feeling dumb. And a lot of kids, you know, I guess do this. I didn't know that. When I was growing up, I thought I was the only kid going through this. So I hated, I didn't even want to go to college. In fact, the only reason I went was to play soccer because I had a soccer coach in high school. I felt, didn't think I could play division one soccer and I wanted to prove him wrong. And sure enough, I, I 
found a college, WMU, Western Michigan University. They said they'd give me a shot, and that was my ticket into college. Before that, I told my parents I wasn't going to go. They were stressed out. I said I was going to become a stuntman. you got to understand, the Dukes of Hatchet was the number one show on TV back then. I was going to become a stuntman, and I wasn't going to go to college. And they convinced me, you know, you got to go, you got to go. But I didn't want to. Finally, this coach, when he said, you know, I don't think you're Division One. At least that's what I felt he was saying. Then I said, I'm going to go play Division One and show him. You know, I was that kind of belligerence in me to say, oh, you don't tell me what I can or can't do. And maybe he was using it to get me to go to college. I wouldn't be surprised because he was a great coach. So I ended up going to college and it was during our soccer camps that we would work in the summer with the kids during our training camps. In the mornings, we would do camps with the kids that my coach saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. He said, what's your major? I said, business. Do you like it? I said, no, not really. You know, I'm more interested in soccer. He goes, you should think about being a teacher. You are amazing with the kids. Something about you. You've got it. You should be a teacher. He said, do me a favor. Just take one course. Just that's it. And then I won't bring it up again. I said, okay, coach, you know, sure. Because I wanted to stay on the team. I didn't know if that was a contingency or not. So I did. I took a class. And next thing you know, guess what? I took it and I've never looked back. Right away, it's just something inside of me said, yes, this is what I want to be doing. But And I don't know why. But when I started teaching, I loved it right away just from the get-go. I loved being in a classroom in front of a group of people. I think it's part of that team thing, right? And I'll talk a lot more about that power of team. I'm going to bring that up a lot. But the point is, I liked teaching. But something very disturbing happened early on in my career. And that is that I looked out and I saw other Billy Cecils sitting out there in the audience. Kids that were 10 years old and already giving up on themselves. Kids that weren't focusing or even coming to class because they didn't feel good about themselves. For whatever reason, they had low self-esteem or low confidence like I did, and they just didn't want to deal with the struggle. Or they came in and they disrupted, and other teachers didn't like that, so they would get into you know that tug-of-war with those teachers, and they saw me as, I'm probably the next teacher that's going to do that with them. It shocked me to see that. It, it awakened me to some reason of, there's a lot more Billy Cecil's out there in the world than I thought. And all of a sudden, that's where I found my higher purpose, right in those moments of, yes, I want to teach the curriculum like, you know, the best I can, but I've got a higher purpose here. I want to come in and I want to get every single child in my room to believe they can achieve. In fact, the first 30 days of every year, I would dedicate myself to try to uplift, motivate, and empower my kids enough that they would start taking chances and to believe that, you know what, this is a different year. This has a different feel. This teacher seems like he really believes in everybody. He keeps saying we can do this. He keeps talking about this best year ever stuff. He, he just seems so positive. He seems like he really believes. And, and he's, he just, I, there's something, I want to give him a chance. I'm just trying to get them to give me a chance. And that's the uplifting part. I uplift them to give me a chance. And then I challenge them. I motivate them to take a challenge. You know what? Last year you struggled with this. Maybe try it this way this year. And what I would do is I would give them small steps so they would reach those steps, especially the kids that struggled. And then they'd start to build their confidence. And they'd say, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And then I'd keep moving the bar up slowly and slowly. And I would do that for the first 30 days. And they not only are they building their own confidence, they're building their confidence about me because they're like, this guy knows what he's doing. He seems like he can help me this year. It's this is, And he keeps saying it's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. So I'm going to take advantage of this. And then I empower them. I give them tools, success strategies. In fact, I give them something I'm going to give you in a few episodes down the road. It's called the three-part doable plan that will help them have their best year ever. And so that's what I want to do for, you know, for you, I'm going to give you that plan to share with your students, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait because there's other things I want to talk about first. And so, but that's what I was trying to do in my classroom. 
And so that's when I found my higher purpose. And that's when I knew I could face any challenge any year because those, those pale in comparison to helping kids find that fire in them like I was able to find. And it's because I had great teachers that, that were planting seeds in me. My parents, I was lucky to have, you know, heroes at home that I could also have help me find out who I was. So this is all about creating a village of heroes, especially at school, where teachers are going to be so motivated and so on a mission to help kids to believe in themselves and to succeed and to empower them to have the tools to do that, that they are going to be able to continue to face this onslaught of challenges that I know you're facing out there. And believe me, all teachers throughout every, every you know, century or every decade have have had these challenges not the exact ones but they've had challenges this is a challenging profession it's the most rewarding profession you're gonna ever be in but it is challenging so i think it really does start off with cause you got to have a grand vision you got to have a great cause that you want your students to embark on with you and you got to capture their attention with it and then you got to provide that doable plan but it starts with your vision of what that is and again I shared my vision with you in episode one of how you can make every year their best year ever. And if you remember, there were quite a few different uh, targets, I guess you could say, that I shared with you how to make it their best year ever. If you remember, I said people care for one another. There's trust between teachers, students, and parents. There are no feelings of us versus them. These were things I was trying to create this feeling, this atmosphere, this, this learning environment. Everyone feels they have worth and respect. Spirits are high. Students work together to solve problems and generate new ideas to enhance learning. The positive environment encourages students to take risks, try new ideas. Mistakes are seen as a chance to grow. Here's my favorite. Students help other students because they feel confident and good about themselves. Pride shows through in everything. Students are happy. Parents are satisfied. Now that's my grand vision. Obviously, you know, I can't, re, you know, I can't say that to my students and say, these are the targets we're going to aim for this, this year, everyone, and we're going to have our best year ever. They're not going to look at me on the first day of school and say, oh, yes, Mr. Cecil, that is our grand vision as well. Let's all hold hands and move forth to make it happen. Kumbaya, my love, kumbaya. It's not going to happen. I have to make it a shared vision. And so what I want to do with you right now is I want to share with you four strategies that you can use, three or four strategies that you can use to help make it a shared vision. Because if you don't get this this off the, the launch pad, it's not going to go. You know, this is where many visions die. Think about the, the space analogy, right? You've got this wonderful vision. You want to get to the moon and you're so excited about it that, that you don't take time to make it a shared vision. What happens is you do like a lot of administrators and other people opening days of school years. They do a good, good, good intentioned people. I'm not putting them down because I did this for many years coming in my room. I didn't have a clear vision. But they come in and they they share their vision and what they do is so they share it once and they think that's good enough and you're going to buy into it, right? We're going to do this, 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 and this year. Now you guys go out there and get them. We're going to do this. Ready? Let's go. Yeah. And you're all charged up and you're all running out. Yeah, this is great. I'm so fired up. It's going to be the, the most amazing year. Yeah. And then about 30 days later, you're like, where the hell are we? I don't even know where we are. I'm already lost. It's only 30 days in. This is crazy. And then by the end of the year, you're like, just let me get the hell out of here, right? It's another year for I just had to thrive to get or survive to get through it. And that's just the opposite of what I want with best year ever buds. We don't survive, we thrive. So you're going to make it a shared vision, just like the great causes that we talked about and the leaders that were able to do it before. They're going to have a grand vision to uh, doable plan for their people and then to have, you know, it's going to be a vision that's going to enlist them to want to join in and make it happen. And that's what you're going to do. 
So what I'm hoping you're doing is you took, you did your homework assignment from last time we talked. If you remember, I gave you a homework assignment. And you're supposed to create your own grand vision or your vision for best year ever. And if I was a, a, a fly on your wall, it would describe to me what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. You know, I would get a sense of what your vision is just by being in your room. I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the best year ever or bust room. You can tell. So you're going you're gonna to jot those things down. So if you haven't, you might want to stop the tape. And go back and do that real quickly so that you have something to work with. But it's important that I don't want it to just be all mine and you're like, you know, I'm just copying it. And that's okay if you do. You know, I would hope you would adopt it and adapt it to fit you, your teaching, your your teaching style, your students' needs, their age level, and all that. And believe me, I have many people that are doing that from kindergarten even into the college level. And I've been sharing these out for, you know, since the year 2000. So I know they work, but it's, it, I want you to have your touch on it, your fingerprint on it. So I want you to have your vision and maybe blend the two a little bit if you need to, but definitely I want it to be your vision. And so what I would encourage you to do, number one, is you want to make your vision uh, targets not as many as I shared with you. Remember, I, I taught for 31 years. I didn't have that vision out the first time I went to teach. Over 31 years, I collected those pieces to add into my vision by us hitting those targets without me even really realizing we were doing it. And then I'd have guests in the building, guest teachers, or people walking through parents. I'd have other teachers, administrators stop me. Custodians, lunch aides would stop and say, your kids are amazing. They all sit together in the lunchroom and they make sure kids, don't, even not in your class, they sit together because they don't want them to eat, eat alone. I said, yeah, that's something we do. You know, we look out for each other. Mr. Cecil, that's amazing. You guys got a great team, you know, and and so what happened is I'd write those things down like, oh, wow, they, they like that. I should be trying to hit that target every year. And that's how I came up with those points I shared with you. Those I call them mini targets. But here's the mistake you can make is that if you start out with too many targets to aim for, you're going you're, you're gonna to fail miserably. I'm sorry, even if you don't have the blindfold on, you're going to have a hard time hitting all those targets, especially with your students. So what you want to do is you want to start small. Less is more. Lesson number one, less is more. Sometimes in education, we think more is more, but more ends up being less. We're throwing so much at them. It's like so much spaghetti on the wall that barely anything's sticking, right? So what if you only have a couple targets to aim for during your best year ever to start with? And you say, these are two really important targets we're going to hit to get us off to a good start to having our best year ever. And then you decide what those are and you put, and I didn't do this. And this part I wish I had done. I, I thought of everything else, but this part I didn't do. And I thought about it the other day. What if you'd post those on your wall and then, you know, now you're saying we're going to aim for this target and this target. Maybe take two of the mini targets I shared or the two, two mini targets that you shared for your target. Because best year ever is a vague target. We can't really just shoot at best year ever. We got to hit at specific things, right? Like kids looking out for each other and, you know, kids not afraid to make mistakes, whatever. Uh, so have a couple targets, tell them about it, post them on the wall so they can see it and then have them help you. Now, what could we do? What are some action steps we can do to hit those targets on a regular basis and have them help you come up with some action steps. You might already have some up there, but you might have them add on. And then during the year or during the first 30 days, especially you want to definitely pull those out each morning and talk about them and say, okay, these are two targets we're aiming for today. So let's try to hit those. And throughout the day, if you see kids doing them, like some kid leans, leans over and picks up a piece of paper and gives it back to a kid and you see that, stop what you're doing and go, Jimmy, I just saw you pick up so-and-so's homework and give it back to them. That is so nice you do that. Because if you didn't do that, they could have gone home and not gotten it done tonight. They'd have a late assignment tomorrow. It shows you care. You know what? That's going to help us make this our best year ever. That kind of an attitude, that kind of a mindset. Thank you for doing that. And now the kid's thinking, ooh, this is what you do you, to get caught doing something good. You, you hit those targets and you're going to get, and you know what? This is the kids that struggled like I did. They start to go, you know what? I could do that. I may not be the best at math or reading, but I can help other kids. I can do this. And pretty soon you get, you start to think, I can do more. You start, you know, that mindset's already changed. So less is more. 
but you got to have it up there for them to know. Number two, you got to market your vision. You got to have a vision that, for example, like the commercials do. You see the same commercials over and over and over again. Watch Saturday morning cartoons with your kids, and oh my gosh, it's the same junky commercials about, for example, you know, sugar cereals, maybe with a little toy in it, and they market the same commercial over and over and over again. And they do that for a reason because these marketers know that to make it stick, they have to show it to you many, many times before it even registers in your brain that you see it. And then once you see it, you start to recognize it. And then you start to go, oh, I know that. And then you think about it. And then you start to think, you know what, maybe I I could, I could, I want that. That'd be kind of cool. And then it goes from want to I need that. And then they know they got you. I need that. I, I know that sounds like a kind of a tacky thing to do, but it works. But why not make it work for the good? right? Best year ever. You're going to have your best year ever. It's going to be a new beginning. It's going to be a year. You're going to to have incredible things happen to you. You know, it's going to be a year. So you start to paint a vision on a daily basis with them, hitting them with it throughout the day, each morning, even just simply saying, welcome to best year ever day, whatever of your best year ever. Right. But you're marketing it to them in a way that they start to see it. There's a lot of benefits here. There's a, you know what, this might be the year I was looking for. This is the year Billy Cecil who was struggling in school when I was growing up, this is what I hoped for every year that I was going to get a teacher that would make coming to school seem different, like a new beginning, like a new chance, right? And so it's how they marketed. Most teachers, I didn't for many years. I just came in and said, okay, I'm so-and-so. This is what we got to do. We're going to start with math today. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. And we start teaching. And that's important, right? But you got to set the table before you serve the meal to make it a shared vision. You got to take time to market your vision so they start to buy into it, right? Or it's a new beginning. They hear that over and over again. This is a new beginning. Your past doesn't equal your future. If you had great years in the past, you, you can make this one, but you got to still make it happen. You can't just say, because I did it last year, I can, you know, not do it this year. You got to make it happen. But if you struggled last year, this could be your year. This might be the year you start to realize you can do it. And I'm going to help you do that. This is a new beginning. Don't miss it because you may not get too many more of these from people that recognize that. So take advantage of this teacher that's going to help you with that. I hope you have many more, but this is one for sure. You know what's happening. So take advantage of it. You got to market your vision. You got to tell them all the good things. If I share with them the list of my mini targets that I read to you, that's on the back of my book, by the way, the back of my playbook, then yeah, you know, they're going to look at me and go, that's crazy. Who cares? We don't care about those things, right? But if I tell them, you might make friends that last a lifetime this year. And believe me, they do because I see them on Facebook and my kids are in their 40s. Dude, I'm old. I'm telling you this. But I also would say it might be a year that you start to believe in yourself and you start taking more risks and you learn that mistakes are okay to make. In fact, that's how you learn. Thomas Edison, you're going to learn about him this year. But Thomas Edison told told everyone through his actions. He tried 10,000 times, times to make the light bulb perfect, perfect it. And so he made many mistakes, but he said it's not a failure if you can learn from your mistakes and get closer to the target you're trying to hit. And that's exactly what I would do in my, I'd market it every day. Like you can do this, you can do this. I would tell my kids about all the great things they've already done in their life. They learned to walk, they learned a language, they've learned to, you know, they, they've learned to ride a bike. I mean, they've learned to read many of them and they all read at different levels, but they've all learned to do these things by the time they got to me in fifth grade. And you may laugh and go, they better have, but those are major things I would tell them. And you know why you did them? Because you believed you could do them. You didn't sit there and go, I can't talk, so I'm never going to try as a baby. You just did it, right? You saw everybody else doing it. So you're like, I want to do that, this. So you get done. If you fail, you're like, eh, I'm going to try it again because nobody was telling you couldn't do it. So my point is I'm marketing my vision to get them to start to believe. So you got to market less is more. Only have a few targets hit, but hit it hard. Hit those targets hard and hit them often. And that's by marketing it right. So it becomes a shared vision. By the way, this is number three. It takes 30 to 31 days to form a vision. And so what you want to do is 
You want to, every day, my kids would come in, I would start off with, welcome to day whatever of your best year ever, and we would count up, and I'd have the numbers on the board, day three, day seven, day 10 of your best year ever. I'd always look at the number and and point to it and say to them, welcome to day 20 of your best year ever. Hopefully, you're still working on your doable plan, your three-word doable plan, which I'm going to share with you in a future episode, but I would, you know, tell them that. And so this, you know, you're going to make it happen. You have the power to make it happen this year. So I was hitting them with it every day because it sets the expectation. And what it does is Pavlov's dogs taught us this. It takes 31 31 days to form a habit or 21 to 30 days to form a habit. Some get it sooner than others, but it takes some time. Too often we're in such a rush or we do it just once like those administrators on opening day that we don't repeat it and it never becomes a shared vision. I do it every day throughout the day. Even when we're reading about other things in history or or, or characters in books we're reading, I'll say, is that person having their best year ever? Why aren't they? I think they're going to have their best year ever. Why do you guys think so? And they will, pretty soon they'll start to tell me, Mr. Cecil, they're going to have their best year ever because they did this and that's a good thing. I'm like, you're right. So they're starting to get it. But what happens is you got to keep it alive for 30 days because Pavlov, when he showed the meat and rang the bell for 30 days, these dogs slobbered every single day. And pretty soon he stopped showing the meat after a certain number and they just rang the bell and these dogs slobbered. Now, I don't want your kids to slobber. We're not going to have to ring a bell and make them slobber. That'd be kind of gross. But the same principle. If you keep doing that for 30 days, how do I know? Because after about day 20, I would stop for a day. I wouldn't do it just to see what would happen. And right away, hands would go up and say, Mr. Cecil, you made a mistake. You didn't say welcome to day whatever of our best year ever. And you don't have the number on the board. You have the wrong number from yesterday still up there. You got to put the new one up. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry. So that's important. You do it long enough, you got them hooked. And in that time, what happens is, this is why diet or exercise programs work or don't work. It's because sometimes we don't have, people don't have the patience to stick with it long enough to see results. If they start seeing results, diets, it's not the programs that don't work, it's the people use them quit too soon usually. They work if you stick with them long enough. If you start seeing results, now you're hooked, you're going to stick in it. These programs, all of a sudden, they're working. Same with best year ever. Winning teams attract fans. Like I said, you're going to have teachers, other people in your building start to notice your kids in the hallway. Or they're going to notice them at the lunchroom. Or they're going to notice them when they subbed in your building. They're, whatever, but they're going to say things to you and the kids are going to hear that and you're going to play it up to them. Guys, that was a great compliment. You know, in fact, my kids love the compliments. They asked us if we could keep track on a number on the board. Because best year isn't about we're number one, but it's about recognizing we're doing something well. So we're keeping score with ourselves to see how many we, we could get. And they, they totally got into that. So winning teams attract fans. That's number four. Look, there's so many more things we have to talk about. These are things that I want you to think about because I think they will make a difference this year. But it starts again with you have to have that cause, that grand vision that's going to also provide a doable plan that will enlist others to join in you. And it starts right now with the shared vision. Last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you a a quick land for you on my website. And number one, it says to listen to the podcast, episode number one, for sure. If you've done that, you're already one third of the way there to guaranteeing that will be your best year ever. Number two, and this is the big one, I'm going to ask you to invest in my book. Look, I I know it sounds like a sales pitch, but it's way more than that. This is, I, I care about you. This is my playbook. This is my book that has my lesson plans, that had my vision, that had my, the activities that I would use. It has all these things laid out in the whys and it's all in there. And it's, you know, it's like 290 something pages or whatever it is. But in the back, there's one reason why you want to buy this because I can't share all these in all my podcasts, even if I try. And you won't get them as fast as if you get them in my book. But in my book, there's a 30-day planner in Appendix 2 that's about 40-something pages long. And it's 30 days of mini lesson plans, 30 ways to keep your vision alive for, for 30 days long enough for it to become Pavlov's dog, ring that bell, slobber, blah, 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 to become your best year ever. And that's when you know you're off and running. 
and you don't have to do it at the beginning of the year to make this work, but the sooner the better, only because bad habits are hard to break. And so the longer they go unchecked, the worse they are. So there's so much more I want to talk about with you through these podcasts, but I'm hoping you'll invest in the book now so you can get started by looking in that, that planner and then the podcast will help reinforce that. So please do step two. And then step three was to do it for 30 days. When you get the, the planner, 30-day planner in the back of the book, that you use it for 30 days. Don't, don't try it for a week and give up. And please don't ever contact me and say, I'm too busy to do this. It sounds great. It worked when I was using it, but I just don't have time. I'm under a lot of pressure. This is designed to give you more time right? More time. So definitely take advantage of this, please. Okay, I'm going to stop there tonight. I want to, again, thank you for listening. Also, I want to thank you for being the heroes you are being called to be. And just remember, best year ever, you have the power to make it happen.